Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to World Weekly with me, Ben Hall. Today we are talking about Italy, which over the next few months will become the next European front in the battle between populists and the establishment. This week, Prime Minister Matteo Renzi picked December the 4th for a referendum on constitutional reform. The vote will not only determine the shape of Italy's political system, but also Mr Renzi's political survival. He has said he will step down if he loses the vote. Earlier this year, he looked likely to win, but it's no longer so clear. The young Italian Premier's standing has been dented by painful defeats in local elections, troubles in Italy's banking system and a persistently weak economy. Mr Renzi's political opponents, led by the populist five-star movement, are circling. If they persuade Italians to vote no in the referendum, Italy is heading for fresh elections and the prospect of an increasingly Eurosceptical government taking control of the Eurozone's third largest economy. Joining me from Rome is James Politi, the FT's Italy correspondent, and here in the studio, Joshua Chaffin, our Europe news editor. James, if I start with you, can you just remind our listeners, what is this referendum actually about? At the heart of it is a proposal to essentially get rid of the powers of the Senate. So it's to reduce or eliminate this sort of bicameral system which has made Italy sort of an outlier in Europe. Only, only Romania has sort of a similar system where legislation has to be passed in both chambers in identical fashion, a bit like it does in the U.S., It is sort of held responsible for a lot of the political gridlock and unstable governments that we've seen in Italy over the past 50 years. And Renzi has said that he wants to dramatically reduce the size of the Senate and it won't be directly elected anymore and it won't have as many powers. Um, legislation will essentially be passed only through the lower chamber and the Senate will only have responsibility for consultation on the substance, with a few exceptions. That's the heart of the reform. There's also a plan to re-centralize some government functions and take the power away from the regions, which would give the central government more power to push through great big infrastructure projects. That's the substance of the reform. But Italy has so many big problems. Why is Renzi staking his future on constitutional reform? So his argument from the very beginning has been that in order to carry out all the changes and all the transformation of Italy's economy that he wants to see to modernize it and make it more efficient and more like dynamic European countries, you have to transform the political system as well. It has to be easier to pass legislation. There have to be fewer privileges for politicians. And essentially, he wants to sort of break the mold to make it easier to govern and to pass legislation. That's at the heart of his pitch. That all sounds quite sensible. So why are the opposition so against it? The opposition is against it because they fear, first of all, that it will lead to a concentration of power in the hands of the prime minister because any prime minister will only have to worry about his or her majority in the, uh, the lower chamber of parliament. 
And this is sort of combined with an electoral law in the lower house, which gives a supermajority to the governing party. And so the fear, especially in a country like Italy, which has had authoritarian leaders in the past, Benito Mussolini was one, but also in the sort of democratic era, has had strong men like uh, Silvio Berlusconi in power. Some see this as a risk. And looking forward, you know, imagine the populist five-star movement controlling government with a supermajority in the lower chamber, and things look quite risky. So that's where the opposition is focusing most of its attention on a substantive level. And then on a sort of more political level, the opposition parties simply see this as a chance to get rid of Renzi. And how do you rate Renzi's chances of prevailing in December? Well, at the moment, the polls are showing a toss-up with a slight edge to the no. So I think he's facing an uphill battle and he may well not prevail. Counting against him are, as you said in the introduction, the weak economic recovery, the country's banking problems, the migration crisis, which is still alive and well, in a sense that Renzi personalized this too much from the very beginning. In his favor, however, he has the backing of the business community. He's trying to put on a more positive message, essentially saying, if you believe that Italy can change, then you have to vote yes. And if you want things to stay as they are, then you should vote for the no. So he's sort of trying to put the populists in their place in a way and turn the tables around on them and say, I'm the real change agent here. And it's the populists and the opposition who are in favor of the establishment and things as they are. Josh, if I can bring you in, what do you think the rest of Europe is thinking about this latest fairly big gamble by Matteo Renzi? I think that they're quite worried about it. I think that this is playing out uh, against a backdrop of rising populism everywhere in Europe. And this has been going on for a couple of years now. But the gains that the populist Eurosceptic parties are making are really quite dramatic. They're really coming quite close to power and really beginning to make changes, Brexit not being the least of them. I think there's a lot of desire to keep a strong pro-EU leader in power in Italy. And if you look at the alternatives to Renzi and you look at the other parties, they're mostly Eurosceptic. So I think that's a risk. I also think that there is concern about Italy's banks in particular, which James has mentioned, and to the extent that Renzi's either weakened by the referendum or simply distracted by it, it's much more difficult for him to take more decisive action there or on a whole host of other issues that affect the rest of Europe. So this very much has consequences beyond Italy. And Italy, again, is the third biggest economy in the Eurozone, a core EU member. So it's important to the stability of, of an EU that has a lot of a lot of other problems. And this referendum sets the clock running, actually, on a sort of 12 months of quite big political challenges for Europe. How do you see the next year sort of panning out on that front? We have elections coming up in uh, France, Germany, the Netherlands, to name a few. A defeat for Renzi here would certainly give a gust of confidence, I think, to the populist forces elsewhere. They're already making big inroads. The National Front is widely expected to make it to the second round in France. The alternative for Germany has stunned Chancellor Merkel already in regional elections. So I think people already have quite a lot of concern and worry about how those contests are going to look. And I think if Renzi is toppled or loses the referendum, that will just make them that much more concerned. James, we often lavish a lot of attention on these new political upstarts, these populist forces. 
But in some ways, it's their effect on the rest of the political spectrum that is most important in Europe. And Italy is quite a good example in the way that much of the political spectrum has become a lot more Eurosceptic over the years. Isn't that right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we have the second largest party, the Five Star Movement, which is advocating for a referendum on membership of the euro. We have the third largest party in Italy, which is the Northern League, which is actually calling for an outright exit from the euro and is at times even questioning membership of the EU. And we have the fourth largest party, which is Forza Italia, which was led by former Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi, which is highly Eurosceptic, especially in some of its sort of factions and believes that Berlusconi himself was undone by an EU-led plot. And then you have actually the Democratic Party, which is led by Renzi. It's the ruling party. It's the most pro-EU party there is in Italy at the moment of the major parties. And it has been forced to sort of adopt a more, much more confrontational standing towards the EU than many of its uh, predecessors. So I wouldn't call it Eurosceptic, but certainly um, much more sort of Eurocritical than it has been in the past. And that just reflects a major shift in Italian public opinion, which once was highly uh, sort of supportive of EU membership and is now much more disenchanted. The Five Star Movement has taken power in Rome and some other big Italian cities and is already facing some difficulties in actually exercising authority. Are we overestimating their ability to take power at a national level? The first three months in power for Virginia Raggi, who is the new mayor of Rome, who is a five-star movement mayor, have been quite disastrous. Even as we speak, she has not been able to nominate a budget advisor in a city that's deeply in debt, which blocks her ability to implement any kinds of economic measures. And also, she hasn't really made any improvements to either the rubbish collection situation or the public uh, transport situation, which, which Romans feel uh, afflicted by on a day-to-day basis. So that definitely has dented um, the, the reputation of the Five Star Movement as a potential governing party. And I think it will continue to do so if things go on as is. I think the problem for the Democratic Party is that many Italians are still backing the Five Star Movement as a protest movement, and many feel that they have enough gripes with the traditional parties to continue to support the Five Star Movement, even though they can see so many of their shortcomings um, exposed on a daily basis. And that bodes pretty badly for Mr Renzi. My thanks to James Politi and to Joshua Chaffin. World Weekly is produced by Hannah Murphy. Until next week, goodbye. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. 
Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW.